Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the OT lifestyle movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and the founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Today, we are talking about something that I absolutely love, and that's business and entrepreneurship. There is something about stepping outside of the box, doing things differently, and birthing your own ideas into the world, and it just gets me fired up. And I know you guys are the same, and same Mm -hmm. with our beautiful guest today. So today we are talking to Laura Park Figueroa. Laura is an occupational therapist and the owner of Outdoor Kids OT in Oakland, California. Laura is the creator of the Contigo Approach to Nature-Based Therapy and the author of Therapy in the Great Outdoors. As a business coach and host of the Mind Your OT Business Podcast, her mission is to empower and equip OTs to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. And that is exactly why we have her on the show today. Welcome, That Laura. is like my, I'm like, yes, everything you're saying. OTs, go out and start your businesses. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's dive into it. I would love, first of all, we always hit the rewind button on the show. So I'd love to go okay. back and just work out and find out how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Give us a bit of an insight into your story. So I, I started my, my outdoor business when I, after I'd been an OT for 15 years. So it had been a long time and long story short, I was just kind of burned out. I, I, actually, I actually thought about leaving the profession altogether. Um, I ended up instead going back to grad school for OT, which is like the opposite of leaving the profession. But, um, but it, the awesome thing is that it re-inspired my love for this profession. You know, I, I just back to the roots of like who we are, how we, how we came to be a profession. And I started this, like just knowing that my passions were around nature. It was like, I had this moment where I remembered this dream I had way back in college when I was really into the outdoors that I was, I was going to do this. I was going to incorporate the outdoors and OT and what happened? Well, like marriage, three kids, work, all that happened. Right. <laughs> and and going, yeah, life. Totally. Totally. And I, I loved my work. I mean, I, I loved the jobs I had and the people I worked with. And I know that I was doing meaningful work with children, but ultimately, like, I think I was kind of born to be an entrepreneur. I feel like I've found my calling in life <laughs> as an entrepreneur. So there was going to be this sense of, unease or unsettled feeling until I kind of found that part, you know, of my life until I entered that phase of my life. So I was, I had been in OT for 15 years and I slowly started um, taking groups of kids outdoors and it just, it just grew from there. I think, I think the key thing is that I felt so passionate about it. It didn't really feel like work to me. Um, It, it just, was what I wanted to spend all my time doing was planning for this business, figuring out how to create a framework from the very beginning. I was like, I don't know if other, maybe other OTs around the world were doing it, but I know that we weren't as connected back then as we are now, even five, six years ago on social media. Um, 
and I, from the very beginning, I wanted to create something to help other therapists start doing the work too. So we were documenting a lot of things we did in the beginning to kind of get a framework in place, which is where the Contigo approach developed. It stands for connection and transformation in the great outdoors. And um, now I'm doing a PhD and I'm studying nature-based therapy. I'm essentially going to be doing research on um, how pediatric OTs are using nature in their practices. I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. Um, but I feel like all these, all these things that I love um, kind of feed one another. And I just, I just so enjoy it. So that's, that's the short story <laughs> of how I came, came to where I am now. So in a nutshell, yeah, I love it. And I love that you shared in the beginning that you weren't happy where you were with OT at one stage in your life. And there was mm -hmm. that, hmm, I don't know whether I'm going to continue on doing this. Yeah. But you found your love for nature and OT and entrepreneurship and you've sort of bundled it all together and you've got your dream <laughs> job. Yeah. I would say, I think a lot of OTs, if they would, even if you're just working and you don't want to run a business, um, I think if you go back to the heart of our profession, if you go back to like the the foundations upon which our profession was founded, that occupation, the meaningful occupation in people's lives, I think that really can reinvigorate practice in a way, in any, in any area of practice, it really can. And so I just encourage people with that too. Even if you're listening to this and you don't want to start a business, um, there, there is value in knowing the roots of our profession and going back to that, looking at the whole person and the meaningful things they want to do. So anyway, just a plug for how great we are as OTs. <laughs> but. Uh, absolutely. I'd love to start by asking, you know, how did you decide it was a good idea to take that initial leap and start your own business? Because I feel for a lot of us, it's those initial stages that can keep us stuck. You know, mm -hmm. it's like standing on the diving board and the longer you stand, the harder it is to jump. And totally. how was it for you? How did it work out that you said, okay, I'm going to do this? Well, I think my answer might be a little unconventional because honestly, I really believe that higher education is a great way to force yourself to do the hard work of thinking to create something. Um, and you'll hear in the entrepreneurship space a lot of times, um, we don't need higher education, screw the academic system and all that, you know, people are kind of like against the institution of higher education. Um, and I do, I do need to say, I realize that comes from a place of privilege, right? Like if you can access higher education, you're very lucky. But for me, that, that having that forced time that forced me to actually do the thinking involved and in how to create something like this, was super, super important for me. And I feel the same about my, my work now in my doctorate program. Like it's, it's teaching me to think in a way that is very applicable to business, um, very systematically. How do you create systems? How do you logically create things that then other people can also use? Um, so that being said, I would say that I slowly kind of made my way into it. And that is a big thing that I always say is just take a small step. Like you take a small step forward. A lot of entrepreneurship is like, Oh, I don't know if I can do it. Okay. Tiny step. Okay. Okay. I did it. Okay. Next tiny step, you know, and just, just 
getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I've said this a lot on different interviews I've done is if you're not uncomfortable as an entrepreneur, you're really not, you're not really taking risks to grow and change and grow your business. So there's just, you have to get kind of uncomfortable with being or comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the, the more you do that, the easier it is to take bigger risks. I guess I'm not really answering your question so much as saying what I was learning in the process. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is it was a small series of steps for me that, that when I look back, it's like, wow, look at, look at what is going on now in my business. It's amazing to me, the team, the people involved, the students that work with us. I, I love it. And it's, it's that taking small steps as you go. So not being afraid because you can take a really small step at first and it'll empower you to take bigger steps as you go forward. So mm. did that answer? I don't know if that answered. <laughs> it sounds like mindset is a big part of it. You know, oh, saying, gosh, yeah. you know, making sure you're not afraid, you know, this, we come from this place of fear. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times we fear what other people will think of us. We have this fear of failure. We fear that what if yep. we invest our time, our money, our energy, time away from our family and it's a flop. What if it doesn't work? Yeah. And so a lot of the times it's our mindset that holds us back. When in actual fact, if we dream it, we can do it. You know, there mm-hmm. is no limitations on what is possible except for that inner mean girl in our head saying, "Yeah, yeah. It, it's not possible. Yeah. I think that too. I actually, I'm, I, I didn't even talk about the podcast. I started the, the mind your OT business podcast last year because I was so obsessed with entrepreneurship. I joke, I needed an outlet cause I'd be at parties and find out that someone ran a business. I'd be like, tell me all about your business. I want to hear about your business, you know? And they're like, okay, why? I don't want to talk about it. So I'm like, I need an outlet. I need some like structured space where I can talk all about business. And it has been so amazing to celebrate and honor all these OT entrepreneurs around the world who are doing amazing things. And it's just so fun. I love it. But I'm, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm running my first um, group business coaching program right now. It just started last week and we're in what early June right now. And um, the first module is all about mindset because you, it's a very different mindset to think like an entrepreneur than to think like a therapist. Um, I don't think they're completely dichotomous. Like you can think like a therapist and think like an entrepreneur, but it's very uncomfortable, I think, for most OTs to think like an entrepreneur because you have to think about the financial sustainability of your business. You And that's so anti our, we want to help. We don't want to charge. Oh, we feel bad. You know, no, we've got to, we've got to stop. We've got to be confident. We've got to know that what we have to offer is actually helping people and that that's okay. It's okay to share with people something that can really help them. So the mindset issues are huge, 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 huge. The more work you can do on mindset, I think the more barriers you can push through um, as an entrepreneur. I totally agree. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think you nailed it when you're talking about we need to value what we bring to the table. We need to value what we have to offer. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, we have to accept that people are going to be paying for our services. So don't undervalue what we're offering. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I would love to ask you, for the OTs that are listening in now, if they have something in mind that they would love to create in terms of a business model or maybe it's just something that they have 
feel so passionately mm-hmm. about that they'd love to do it full-time or transition into that, but they don't know how to make it their reality. Where yeah. do they start and what would you say to them? This is my favorite question because I, I, I won't say I see it a lot, but sometimes I see floundering businesses and I'm like, I know what your problem is. So I'm going to tell you guys. <laughs> um, the, the very first thing you need to realize is that all businesses solve a problem. Like if, if you think someone has a problem, but they don't think they have that problem, I don't know if they're going to pay for your services. Like I totally believe what you said that if you dream it, you can do it. Like as far as mindset goes, like I think we can make anything happen that we want to in our lives. Like that internal locus of control is so important to have as an OT entrepreneur. But your potential customers do not care about you. I'm going to say it again. Your potential customers do not care about you. They care about themselves. They care about their own needs, their own desires, their own dreams, their own impact they want to have in the world. And the more that we can speak to those needs, the more that we can actually help them achieve their goals. It's just like OT guys, being an entrepreneur, solve a problem, help people. (laughs) Um, The more that we can actually like solve a problem for our potential customers, that is the number one question you have to ask yourself when you first get started. And very closely related to that is who is that customer? Like, who, who are they? Who's your ideal customer? No business serves everybody. And the more niche down you get, the better you're able to target your messaging and, and know the problem points and the pain points of the people that you're serving so that then you can write to them, you can share with them, you can be really authentic about who you are and who your business serves while also really connecting with the, the ideal people that you want to serve. So know your ideal customer and know what problem you're solving and be really confident that you can solve that problem because customers can smell like inauthenticity a mile away. You know, they know if you're, if you're lying, (laughs) not that we would lie intentionally, but, but just coming back to that thing we just talked about, like coming from that place of confidence about knowing that what you offer to a potential customer is of great value to them and, and owning that as the business owner, knowing that you're providing something of value. Because I truly, truly believe it's why I do the work I do with OT business owners when I do business coaching is I so believe that the world needs more OT entrepreneurs. I just, it's like one of my deepest held beliefs because the world needs to see how valuable our profession really is and how much we can really help people. So I, I love that you're putting this message out there because I, I want to spread it as far as any OT in the world needs to hear this. So, and know um, that they can do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone can do it. Um, and I feel like as OTs, we have this entrepreneurship running through our veins. It's, it's almost, we are the problem solvers. We are the change yeah. agents. We are creative. There's so many things that we have that we can bring to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about finding your niche. I remember Seth Godin said something like, no niche is too small if it's yours. And that has stuck with me forever because you can have the smallest niche, but if you are speaking the language that your customers want to hear, if you are talking to yeah. them and they go, oh my gosh, this OT just gets me. Yeah. They're not going to come to you. They're not going to go to the 
other place down the road that isn't really targeting them. So the more niche down you can get and the more that you can speak the language that your clients and customers mm-hmm. want to hear, they're going to resonate with that and they're going to come to you. Yeah, that I love that you said that because what, what came to mind when you were saying that so beautifully was how the more the more you lean into like who you are as a person, like authentically who you are, I feel like all of us really struggle on social media. It's really easy to compare and to see other people's lives and be like, oh my gosh, their house is so beautiful and clean. I have three kids and I live in a small house. So (laughs) I am jealous of those photos. Okay. (laughs) Um, But like, it's so easy to compare, but the more you lean into like really knowing what your values are and really really being authentically yourself on social media, the more you're going to attract the people that resonate with you, the more you're going to attract the ideal client. Hopefully your, your business really is, especially for most of us, as we are starting out, your business really is who you are essentially. Um, so I love that, that, that you're saying like, be authentic, like lean into who you are. There's nobody like you in the world and your business needs to be like no other business in the world. And that's how you're going to attract those ideal clients, right? So being authentically you, I love it. I love that. You summed it up perfectly too. And I suppose people are going to watch you from the sidelines, right? So you're going to have this audience of people who need to build that trust factor with you. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be watching from the sidelines, seeing what you're talking about, and then when, when a problem arises or something comes up and they're like, it's crunch time or I really need to see someone now, that's when they're going to come. So I mm-hmm. think in the initial stages of starting a business too, you can feel like disheartened if it doesn't kick off the way you anticipated or it's slower right, than right. expected. But just remember that people are watching. I think, like you said, social media is an incredible way to be connecting with mm-hmm. people these days. You have to be on social media, right? You have to. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's, yeah. that's where everyone is. Your, your clients are more than likely to be on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, find the platform where they are and start connecting. Mm-hmm. And give them value. I mean, give them, give them free information to help them, you know, so that they know and like and trust you. Probably everyone here who's ever listened to anything entrepreneurial related has heard, you need to build no like and trust value, right? But you also you also need to establish yourself as an expert. I think. I mean, it's it's there's there's a sense you need to be connected, right? You want to be accessible and connected and really form those connections online. Um, and you also want to share valuable information with them so that they see you as a source of help and an expert in your field who can help them later. Um, I I wanted to circle back to to social media because I really I the the thing that got me over being afraid to be more present on social media, I'm specifically thinking of my own Instagram, like it's a business account, but it's my Laura Park Fig account on Instagram. It's more for the podcast and my business coaching and more my personal profile as an OT. Um, the, the more I focused on connecting with people as the point of social media, the more I got over being afraid to say things or being afraid that people would judge me or being afraid that whatever, I really try to focus and it completely, I mean, I have some of my closest friends, I mean, not really, but like, I feel like they're my friends. These people that are on Instagram that I have messaged back and forth with that came and were part of the summit with us. Like I, 
I just, it's amazing how you can truly form meaningful connections on social media now that it's not, it doesn't have to be like this false place where we're just putting forward this false self. Um, and, and I, I hope that that's helpful to people who may be kind of eh about social media, but as a business, you don't have to use social media in that icky sense. You can really use it to form meaningful connections with, with potential customers and just friends, collaborations with people in your community or in the world even. That's what's amazing about the internet. But I'm old, so I'm like, oh my gosh, the internet's amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned before about value, providing value and being the mm-hmm. expert. How do business owners and entrepreneurs go about doing this on social media? Can you give us some tips? Yeah, I would say if you think about the thing that really helped me when I got started was I just brainstormed. I'm really big on brainstorming. I think it kind of taps into that creative brain. You know, we're so rational and we we try to like analyze and judge every idea that comes to our minds. But the more you can get out of that and just brainstorm things, the better. Um, because that's where your really creative ideals will come up. So one thing that I did when I first got started and I was trying to like, what could I write about for a blog post? What can I put on social media? Is just sit down and write a list of questions that like you get all the time from your clients or in your work as an OT. If you're working in an employer-employee type setting um, and you're trying to break out into your own business, make a big list of all those things that you're, you find yourself repeating over and over and over. And then um, start sharing small digestible little tidbits. Don't overwhelm people. Don't write like a 5,000 word article and post it on your blog post. Okay. Tips, small things like two to three, the top three things you can do to solve your child's tantrums. I don't know. I, I can't think on the fly. It's late afternoon here. My brain is fried. Like, <laughs> don't ask me to do copywriting right now, guys. Um, but just, just thinking about like, offering that value, like the things that people would normally pay in OT to give them advice about, it's very easy for most of us to like rattle off or just share a resource. Like one of the things I can give as an example is I have this um, kind of unconventional way to use a pencil grip that I love. And there's a video on YouTube from this handwriting clinic in Texas that they show you how to do it. And I've given it to so many parents. So it was a no brainer for me when I sat down and wrote that list, oh, I need to share the tip grip video. Like, and I shared it on Facebook and it's, it's like in auto rotation on Edgar. If you run a business, you need to know about Meet Edgar. It's a social media library that you load stuff into and then it will auto post for you and rotate through everything. It's amazing and has saved me so much time. Um, but when I first got started, those type of things Generally, most of us, if we've worked for even a few years, can come up with those things right away. And then you can create like small tidbits of content that can really help people um, for free. You're just, it's, it's okay to do this. I know in America, sometimes people are like, but our license and are we allowed to give advice? You're not giving advice for a specific person. It's okay to share, <laughs> to share advice, general advice from your OT brain. Um, and I would also really encourage people like not just on social media, but one thing that I think could be improved on a lot of OT websites, and this might be too nitty gritty for, <laughs> for getting into marketing, but um, is having a lead magnet and setting up email automation for your website. So basically that means you give away a free piece of valuable information for families, some downloadable PDF of the top tips for whatever problem they may have with their child or their 
self. I'm so peds oriented. I'm always thinking pediatrics, but, um, and then they go into your email list and, and you get it, you have an automated platform that does this. They, you develop an email list. So you get a list of people that are interested in that. And those are all your potential clients. And over time you can nurture those relationships on a more private level because you have a direct into their inbox rather than it being on Instagram or Facebook where it's like a broader community kind of thing. Um, and the more value you can add going straight to their inbox, not selling, giving them value. Okay. So the same kind of things you'd put in a blog post, you can put into an email that goes directly to them. Um, and over time, even if they never become your customer to me, I think this is like number one tip for marketing in businesses, honestly. Because I so believe that even if there's, even if those people on your email list never become your customer, you never see a dollar from, from them into your business, they likely have a positive feeling about your business. So when they're out at that barbecue or that party at a friend's house and someone says they're having challenges with their kid, they are going to remember the emails that you've been sending and say, oh, you know, there's this local business that I love. They send me really helpful emails. You might want to check them out. It's called Outdoor Kids OT. And you can't measure that. There's so much in entrepreneurship about you need to measure your return on investment on all your marketing dollars. And you can't measure the influence that you might have by helping people in a helpful way and how that spreads good vibes in your community about your business or in the world even. I mean, we're living in a digitized world now. Like even in the world, there's people who might have good vibes about your business from the emails that you're sending to them. So I'm so big on that. And I think not enough OT um, business owners are using that as a strategy to really nurture those, those closer customer relationships because people have said they're interested already in your business. So yeah. Sorry, that I was a lot. That. No, thanks lot. for explaining that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love for you to explain why it's so important to capture people in an email as opposed to just connecting on social media. Um, I think for 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 one, it allows you to like control the 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 communication, right? In a more um, systematized way. Cause you can you can broadcast to everyone and you know they got it's into their inbox, right? Well, with most email service providers, but um, so sometimes they have low, low, um, they go to spam sometimes. So there's ways around that, but we won't go into that here. Um, so I would say that it's, it's a, it's a closer relationship or a more trusting relationship because they've given you their email, right? They've, they've expressed interest where on social media, you don't know how many people see that post. You don't know like whether or not that like you have no way of knowing how many, I guess you can use your analytics to see who saw the post, but you don't know that a specific person saw it. Right. Um, and I also think just going back to the idea of capturing those, it, it's calling like capturing the lead, right? Like you're capturing the person when they're interested in your business. So for example, if someone comes to outdoor kids OT, but we're not open for registration because we run on like a school year, um, and they see the business, but then they're like, oh, if we didn't have an email list, let's pretend there was no way to get their email. They're like, oh, this looks cool. I'll go back. I'll look back in August because they're not open for registration right now. Are they going to remember to come back in August? No way. No way. So like 2% of people maybe that come to your website are ready to like at that moment buy, or maybe you don't have availability. Maybe you're full and 
you need to have some way to get in touch with them to say, hey, you expressed interest. You're on our wait list. We're getting in touch because we opened registration. And I think that is a large degree. Like I, I can't, again, I can't really measure why my practice has been able to grow over the years is because we've had that email list of interested customers and we've set that up to where we capture the people when they're interested and we're giving them helpful information, hopefully. So um, mm-hmm. I hope they find it helpful. <laughs> yeah. But. And I think another reason is because with social media, we don't own that, right? So I don't own oh, yeah, my yeah. YouTube account. I don't own my Great point. Instagram. I don't own my Facebook And I've actually had one of my YouTube accounts shut down and I had so many videos on there and it's just gone just like that. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. I had it hacked and I had all these random videos uploaded to my accounts and yeah. Oh my gosh. The thing is there's no one to contact. You can't contact head office and say, Hey, my YouTube account's (laughs) been hacked. There's no one to talk to. It's all Right. Automated. So they, they shut it down. With email, you have, like you said, their personal contact. You have that connection. You own your email. And yep. I think to another way, like you said, with say, for example, someone has a program or a course that they run and they couldn't get in, or maybe they did get in. Um, you can collect emails when you have children attend courses, get their email and add them to that email list as well. So you don't just have to be collecting them from the website. You can be collecting sure. them, obviously, from clients that come in for a one-off course or a handwriting two-week. Yeah, course. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And making sure you have permission. I mean, that's the, that is the one thing that I know there's there's become more and more concerned because lots of businesses are using this now, right? But making sure you have permission to email them is important too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that so. can be as simple as including it in the consent form. So yep, it's just a absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, since you love the marketing train and we got onto that, okay. <laughs> what what are some other great marketing tips that OTs can use? I think it's really mm. I, I think it's really important to know about a little bit about graphic design. And um I see a lot of businesses try to put way too much information on one little flyer or way too much information in an Instagram or Facebook post. Like um Think about the customer and their perception of that. Like really try to step out of what you're seeing there because sometimes when we're close to the work, we can't really see it. Get the perspective of some of your friends who are your ideal customers, you know, and say, hey, what do you think of this? Like ask people. Um, One tip that I learned that is so, I mean, you're going to laugh because I learned it at a social media marketing conference. And I'm like, did I really need to pay to learn this? But okay, because it's so like basic common sense, but changed my life is when you use a platform like Canva or some other graphic design platform, even like Flowdesk. Flowdesk is amazing. They're my email service provider now. I love them. I switched from MailChimp. I just want to give a shout out to them. The best, the best. Okay. So when you use Flowdesk or you use Canva or you use some other graphic design kind of um, software to like make a pretty quote or like make your little tip sheet look really pretty, right? Don't mess with the template. That is what I learned. <laughs> I It sounds so simple, but basically designers have been paid to create these templates to look nice. 
And when you go in and you start adding text boxes and moving things around or taking out different design elements, try to find a template in, I mean, Canva is my favorite because it's free. Um, and there's a lot available in their free um, platform. And it makes it really easy to create your own very beautiful graphics for all kinds of like social media posting and for print um, marketing. But don't mess with the template. Try to not change what's there as much as possible and try to start with a template that actually has the layout kind of that you need so you don't have to change it because we are not most ot's are not graphic designers and when you start to mess with things they just look not pretty <laughs> so trust the designers and leave the template as it is um yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if anything else comes to mind off the top of my head but yeah i love canva i think it's amazing I do too. everyone should be on it um and whether this is work that you do yourself or you outsource, you know, that's always another yeah. option. If you are stuck for time and you've got the money, you can be outsourcing a little bit. So you can be spending time, you know, we've really got to be thinking, where is our time best spent? You know, if we're earning yes. $150 an hour in a therapy session, but we're spending our time doing a $30 an hour job in right. Canva doing graphic design, really, right. you know, we've got to be weighing up, hmm, maybe I should be spending more time getting the doing the client work and, and outsourcing little things like yeah. the work. Mm. Yeah. It's so hard because we, as I think, especially when we're first getting started and even now, I mean, I've been in business five or six years now, but like, I, <laughs> I still want to do that work. Like I still want to be in Canva. I like to play in Canva. It's like fun for me. <laughs> so so sometimes I, I think there's something to be said for like knowing what you really enjoy doing and being okay. Like if, if you, because to me, that's play. That's not even, I don't consider that work. If I'm like in Canva designing something, like I love it. I love doing it. I don't do all of mine at all. I outsource a lot of it. But, um, but for me, that's fun. And I think what you're speaking to though, is like the, the shift that has to happen in our brains to think like an entrepreneur. Like we kind of talked about that a little earlier, I think, but like not thinking that you have to do everything yourself, being able to delegate and outsource things that are not going to be the best use of your time to move your business forward. We need to be doing high level thinking, seeing the vision of the business, the 10,000 foot view of everything going on and being able to be the visionaries that are driving the business forward, not getting stuck in the nitty gritty of like making the margins perfect on a Canva template, you know, <laughs> even though I do still like doing that. But um, yeah, totally agree. It's great. Awesome. Are there any other ways that, or any other things that you outsource in your business that might be helpful for other OTs to learn what you're outsourcing? Oh, I'm outsourcing a lot. <laughs> um, I run my practice now in like eight to 10 hours a week of work. Um, some weeks it's even less because I've outsourced so much of, of the administrative stuff. And that's one thing that I would say to most OTs, like what's going to overwhelm you when you're first starting your business is the doing the, the work and also managing all the administrative things like creating the invoices or checking on who hasn't paid and needs to pay you or replying to emails or looking at, um, scheduling and intaking new clients. I mean, there's just a lot of things that don't require, basically the question is what doesn't require my brain? Right. If something doesn't require your brain to do it, it should be outsourced. So the admin piece is a big thing that I think most OT entrepreneurs, when they start, find it fairly easy to 
outsource because you can let go of that knowing that it's not going to affect, it's actually going to improve the quality of the services that you provide to your clients. Um, oh, there's something else I thought of and now I can't remember it. Graphic design is easy to outsource. I mean, you can go on Fiverr or Upwork, although I've had, I've had some bad experiences on those platforms too. So you have to know who you're working with, but, um, but yeah, I'd say anything that doesn't need your brain as the OT entrepreneur running the business is something that should be outsourced. Um, that's, that's what I was going to say. Keep a list of those things. So maybe you're at a place in your business where you can't quite afford to outsource. Um, finances is a whole nother topic we could talk about all day. You should be saving a lot of your money in your business, so you should be able to afford it. But um, if you keep a list as you go of the things that are overwhelming you, I think that's a really helpful way. Then when you go to hire someone, you can say, these are the things I need help with. Oh, I outsource social media too. So a lot of times people will message me and they're like, we talked on, on Facebook or something. And I'm like, I don't think that was me. <laughs> it was like my Devin who helps me with social media. She only sends to me, she filters, right? She sends to me things that my eyes need to see as the owner of the business. Um, and there's not a lot. There's not a lot when you're, when you're running a business that has, a fair number of followers. Like a lot of times people just want to say thank you or they want to say, oh, I love that post or whatever. And you don't have to be the one replying back, say, oh, so glad it was helpful. What else could be helpful? You know, like it doesn't have to be you. So just mm. keep that question in your mind. What doesn't need to be me? What can I outsource? And list it all so that when you go to hire help, um, they can say, yes, I can do these things or I can do this, this, and this, but not this one. Um, and that, that will help you kind of manage how you're going to delegate. So. Mm, perfect. Before we wrap things up, I'd love to ask what's been the biggest lesson in your entrepreneurship journey? Oh, you know, you told me you were going to ask me this question and I had something in mind and now I'm like, I, I, so hard to pick just one. But the thing that comes to mind right now, I mean, I literally thought of this earlier. I looked at all the questions. I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to say. And then my mind went blank when you asked me just now. The thing that comes to mind, which is a very not anticipated answer for me, is the idea of how important mindset is to what you're doing. Like, I, I don't think I ever realized that before I started working as an entrepreneur and kind of having that entrepreneur mindset, not just as a business owner. Cause I did private practice for years before I was seeing kids on the side of my school-based job and my hospital job for forever. I've been seeing private kids, but until I started thinking like an entrepreneur, then you see all your mindset blocks, all that imposter syndrome, all the, like, I'm not good enough. Like, oh my gosh, people are going to find out that I, they, they think I'm a fake. I'm a total fake. I, I don't know what I'm doing. All that stuff, like all the stuff from when you were a kid, however you grew up, what the messages you were told, all that comes up in a way that it doesn't when maybe not as much so when you're working as an employee um, because you're, you're kind of being told a job to do and you're doing it as, at a great level. I think there's room in this world for people that want to be employees. I think OTs can make huge change in the world as employees. Um, but the mindset issues are, are the biggest lesson that I've learned. I just, I feel like it is so important and I'm still constantly working on it. It is not something that you just, okay, I know about mindset now. And so I can do anything. 
Nope. Every time you have a new goal, every time you try a new thing, every time you take a new risk, all that mindset stuff comes back, right? Like, I mean, everyone's experienced it and not many people are talking about it, but it's so true. It's so true that mindset is, is so pivotal and I still pivotal and I still have so much work to do on it, honestly. Um, yeah. Mm. And it's a muscle. Lesson. Yeah. It's a muscle, right? You need to build mm-hmm. it. It's like, say for elite, elite athletes and they need to train their body as entrepreneurs we need to train our mind and if we are not clear thinking if we are not in the frame of mind that we need to be we can't grow our business and we can't grow into developing the things that set our soul on fire and changing the world and all these things um We've really got to be doing our own personal development and whether that is reading books, whether that is watching videos, whether that's following someone that inspires you and gets you going, you know, find those people because there will be someone out there and I'm always constantly on the personal development train and I think Mm -hmm. that's so important. Like any other professional athlete or anyone who's training for something, you need to be training your mind like an yeah. entrepreneur to get to where you want to go. Yeah. The, the, um, the fact that you mentioned athletes reminds me of Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. So it's about growth mindset, about this idea that we're not fixed as human beings. We can always learn and grow and change over the course of our whole lives. And that is probably the first book. I still remember like where I was. I was on a backpacking trip. It was like the only book I brought with me, with my family. And I was like going up to the kids and my husband like, oh my gosh, this is like mind blowing. How This is going to change my life. Like, oh my gosh. Like it, it truly is such a good read. And she, she gives, she's a researcher at Stanford University. And um, she, she, each chapter in the book deals with a different kind of way you can apply growth mindset. So it's basically like she does a chapter on parenting. She does a chapter on elite athletes. She does a chapter on business. Like there's just, it's such a great read. It's not boring. It's not like psychology self-help either. It's really about how the idea of growth mindset applies in so many different areas of our life. And I just, I love that book. It, it was pivotal to my, pivotal to my life. And like, I think really to read it at the start of your entrepreneurial journey is the best recommendation I can give because it's so good. Such can good you content. tell us the name of the book again? It's called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And it's by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. It's old. I mean, I think she wrote it like 15 years ago. It's not, it's not a new bestseller, but it's a bestseller. I mean, she, but she is the researcher who found the idea of growth mindset. Um, it was, yeah, I, I could go into the whole, I could talk about it. I have to add it to my list. Oh my gosh. I've got a pile of books that I haven't read, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get that book. And I'm like, where's the time? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. It's so good. It's so good. All righty. Let's head to the three rapid fire questions. Okay. Number one, so in one sentence, how do you describe OT? This was so fun. I actually thought about this earlier and I tried not to filter and just kind of say what I thought. Um, what I came to is very simple. It's empowering people to live better lives. That, that is what I think all OTs do. Um, so that's it. Love OT it. is empowering people to live better lives. Absolutely. Nailed it. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? 
I would say that we all need to move our bodies more. So like a year and a half ago now, I set like a New Year's Day goal that I was going to move every day and, um, and I've kept it up. And it's not that I work out like super hard every day, but it's basically like, did I move my body today besides sitting in a chair, you know? <laughs> so I'm not talking like elite athlete level, but moving your body into different shapes, okay? So laying down on the floor to work or standing up to work or kneeling to work or doing some squats while you brush your teeth or rolling your shoulders or what, whatever it is, like moving your body is so important to our health. Like we just sit too much in our world today. So try to move your body a little bit every day and yeah. I bet you'll feel better. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? Mm. I love this one too. I kind of already let the cat out of the bag on this one and said it earlier, but I want to tell all OTs to be confident. I want us, if the world is really going to know how valuable we are, we have got to get over our imposter syndrome. We have to get over our inferiority complex and we have to be confident in what we are offering the world with our services. And if you don't feel confident, I think we need to do that internal work or the, the mind work really to feel confident. So whatever that looks like for you, whatever roadblocks are in your way of feeling confident as an OT, I want us to be confident um, mm. wherever we are serving the world. So yeah, step it. into our power. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Last question. How can everyone learn more about you? Where do we find you? Oh, um, if you want to know about the nature-based practice, you can go to outdoorkidsot.com. I'm, I'm not really on there very much, but, um, but you can read about the business there. And then um, the podcast website is mindyourotbusiness.com. And you can learn about, I, I don't, really, I'm not really working with people one-on-one -on -one anymore in business coaching. I just started this group program, but I am going to be doing the group program again at some point in the future. So, um, you can join my email list there at mindyourotbusiness.com. And I am online. There's a lot of places online I hang out. Um, I am the moderator for the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group, which is a fabulous group. It's like 7,000 people almost, I think now. Um, Sarah Lyon of OT Potential started it and I took over as moderator a few months ago and it's just been such a joy. I love that space. It's my favorite, one of my favorite places on Facebook. I feel like I can't say it's my favorite because I have other Facebook groups that are like my groups that I, <laughs> that I should say I love too. Um, I also moderate Therapy in the Great Outdoors. That's a group on Facebook for nature-based practitioners. Um, mostly pediatric therapists, but um, it's not just OTs, it's interdisciplinary. And then there's, there's a group for discussion of the podcast. If people have questions after they listen to the podcast episodes, there are show notes on the website, but like for group solidarity and discussion, Facebook is a better forum. So um, there's a kind of slow growing Facebook group. I haven't been directing a lot of people there, but, um, but it's a great space to just ask questions and talk about the podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Laura Park Fig, F-I-G, F as in Frank, not S as in Sam, F, Figueroa. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so Yay. Thanks, much. Rhiannon. This you was so fun. Thank you. These are my favorite, favorite topics. So it was so fun. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Have an amazing day. Bye. 
That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT Lifestyle Movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.